Hello, Classic Crew, and welcome to the first episode of the Classically Abby podcast. I'm so excited to be recording here and doing it for the first time completely unedited. So if you don't know, usually on YouTube, you're able to just kind of talk, and if you make mistakes, then you'll re-record things and you'll edit them. And it's very different than just sitting and talking and knowing that you can't cut anything out, which is stressful for a YouTuber. It's just like a new a new thing that we're doing here. And I'm very excited about it, but I'm also kind of nervous. So we'll see how it goes. Welcome to my kitchen. That's where we're filming. I hope you like this background. Who knows if it will change, but that's where we're starting out. And I wanted to tell you guys a little bit about what this podcast is going to be. So This podcast centers on classic living and traditional values, navigating the modern era as a traditional woman, as well as conversations with other people in this space. So I'm going to be kind of alternating episodes where I will be doing my own content, which I will describe in just a minute, kind of the segments that we're going to do over here, as well as interspersing those with episodes where I interview women and men who are in this space and who kind of want to talk about traditional values and all of the stuff that we like over here at Classically Abbey. So I'm really excited about that. This podcast gives strength to the women who reject the modern narrative of womanhood and instead embrace real femininity. So that's that's the concept of the podcast. I'm really glad you're here. And before we get further into today's episode, If you aren't already subscribed to my podcast, make sure to subscribe so that you can get updates every time I post a new episode. And if you aren't subscribed to my YouTube channel, make sure to subscribe and hit that notification bell. So I'm very excited to have you here. I probably have said excited like 15 times. I need to, I need to relax. (laughs) Uh, One other thing I want to mention is I would love if you would consider heading over to my Substack, where you will get access to a ton of exclusive content, including my weekly exclusive articles, my book club, my movie club, and submitting questions for this podcast. So I used to do a live stream Q&A on my YouTube channel, but I recently decided what I'm going to do kind of to replace that is if you are a premium subscriber on my Substack, which is only $7 a month or $70 for the year, which means you get two months for free then you can submit questions and each episode I will respond to a couple of questions from you all. So it's a really great deal. We have a really great community of women over there and I think you'll really love it. So go ahead and check it out. It's classicallyabby.substack.com. So let me tell you a little bit about how the show is going to be divided up. So Every episode, we will start off with an intro where we catch up. It's kind of my version of The Scoop. If you follow me on YouTube, you'll know I've done episodes of something called The Scoop where we just kind of chat about what's going on in the world, what's going on in our lives, stuff like that. Then I'm going to follow that up with the main portion of the episode. That might be something regarding classic living. It might be regarding something about motherhood. It might be something that's going on in the zeitgeist, but it's going to be kind of the the bulk of the episode. Then we're going to move on to our faith talk. So I haven't done quite a a lot of this on my channel and I miss doing it. I've done it before, but not as much as I would like to. And now we're going to bring that back into focus. So I am a religious Jew, in case you didn't know that. And I really like talking about faith and our journeys and our relationship to God. So 
This week, at least, and we'll see how it goes moving forward, we're going to go off of the Torah portion or the Parsha, and you'll see where we go with that. And then lastly, we'll finish off with subscriber questions and answering questions from those premium subscribers on my Substack. So that's what you can expect from each episode. And then on the episodes where I'm interviewing people, then there might be kind of shortened versions of the intro. The main portion would be the interview. And we might skip the faith doc, but at the end, we would do a subscriber question that I would pose to the interviewer and we would discuss it together. So that's going to be pretty great. And as you can see, I've got my laptop in front of me so I can reference all of my notes because it's a little different doing a podcast. I, I, I hope that this is something you guys enjoy. Uh, it's a little bit different for me. So let's get into it. First thing I want to talk about is what the main topic of today is going to be, which is why I encourage women to be classic. So I talk about being classic all the time and what I mean when I talk about being classic. I want to kind of explain that a little bit, but why do I encourage it? Why is it so important? So many people get offended when you kind of tell them that there's a better way to live and they think that it's coming from a place of judgment. And I'm here to explain why it isn't. So that's going to be the main portion of today's episode. But if you like the podcast and you're enjoying it, make sure to share it with your friends and family. So let's get into the life updates. If you're new here, I'm married with a nine-month-old baby. I will be married for five years in May, which is crazy. I can't believe time has flown by that quickly. And my son is the cutest. We call him Mr. Baby over here. What will what will we call him when he gets older? I don't I don't actually know. <laughs> Mr. Boy, perhaps. Uh, especially if as we have more children, then that baby will be Mr. or Mrs. Baby. Uh, and we'll we'll have to kind of figure out the names for what we what we call him and them. So if you uh, didn't know, I also keep the identity of my baby under wraps. I mean, I don't show his face on social media and I don't use his name because he didn't consent to it. And also the internet is a terrible place and people hate me a lot, so they don't need to hate my son. So I decided not to share that information. So that's why I call him Mr. Baby. But I love being a mom and I love being a wife. I used to be a professional opera singer. If if you didn't know that, that's where partly why I chose the name Classically Abbey because I was a classically trained opera singer. And I moved away from that partly due to COVID. Um, that just kind of stopped a lot of the performing stuff that was going on in the world. But even before COVID, it wasn't going to be my full-time career because I wanted to be able to devote my time to my family. And being an opera singer is really not conducive to that. It's You're traveling all the time. Uh, you're just away from your family. And it's, it's just too hard. And I didn't want that. So I ended up doing content creation, talking about the stuff that I'm really passionate about. I feel that this is my mission to talk about classic living and traditional values and modern femininity and helping women find find their place in this world that's telling them all of the things that they should be doing that will only lead them down a path of unhappiness. I've been a content creator for about three years now, and that's kind of my background. So one of the things I want to mention today, if you're watching, is uh, my hair. <laughs> so I used I used hot rollers today. I've been trying to figure out kind of my, my daily schedule. 
because uh, let's be honest, having a routine with a baby is very difficult, especially because babies change and grow so quickly that as soon as you get used to one rhythm, everything changes and that rhythm is no longer relevant. So Mr. Baby crawls like crazy nowadays, and he is just getting into everything. So trying to even sit down to do my makeup, do my hair, and film is a whole process. It's almost impossible. Um, So I just recently had a discussion with my mom because she comes over and helps for about an hour every day and said like, okay, here's what we can do to actually make this time the most effective. And so I sat down this morning and I decided that hot rollers were probably the easiest and most effective way to get my hair done quickly so that I can sit down and film. Well, this is what we're left with. Uh, I'm feeling very, very Texas. So I'm not, I'm not mad at it. I like it. Um, but it's, it's pretty intense. And I showed it to my husband. He was like, yeah, you look like you belong in Texas, but I like it. So that's where, that's where my hair is at. I film facing my pool. So that's reminding me that we just got our pool fence installed. And that was a, a great move, right? Because if you have little ones, it's very dangerous to have Um, just an open pool. You don't know if you can always keep eye on your children. You want to make sure that they're safe. And for us, since we host a lot of meals on Sabbath, we wanted to be able to host them in our backyard at our table. But when people come over with their little kids, they can't really just relax because the kids could have like a dangerous situation. So we just got this pool fence installed. We're very excited about it. It's not the most beautiful thing in the world because what pool fence is, but it is also really helpful just to allow us to relax with our friends. And that's really the most important thing. Another fun thing that happened this week, I had my siblings over last night and we played Jackbox, which was a lot of fun. So I don't know if you've heard of Jackbox TV. I think you can get it on a few different gaming services. Um, it's, It's party games that you play on your phone. And everybody kind of uses their phone as a as a notepad or a template or something like that. And we played some games. It was really fun. We had a great time. And I recommend checking out Jackbox TV if you are interested in something like that. We love board games. We love party games, things you should know about us. We love all sorts of games. So if you like strategy games, we like those. If you like party games, we like those. And Jackbox is just one of those really easy party games. So last but not least, uh, my husband and I took a trip to Miami just recently between Christmas and New Year's, and we learned some interesting things, and maybe I'll do a a future podcast episode on this, about how to travel with someone who maybe you don't necessarily 100% agree on your travel style. So some people love to like run out and go and see absolutely everything that they can in a new location. And some people like to relax and and just kind of do a beach vacation. And some people enjoy the feeling of living in a new place, not touring in a new place, but living in a new place. So I'm pretty flexible when it comes to how I take vacations. I probably could enjoy any vacation that I took. So if it was like a touring vacation, I might like that. If it was a beach vacation, I might like that. But my husband very much enjoys the third kind where you feel like you're living in an area where you don't get in your car to drive anywhere. You just get a hotel and you or a, an Airbnb and you enjoy where you are. You walk around, you get to know your favorite cafe. If you're there for three or four days, like it's just like you're living there. And it took us a day or two to remember that because it had been such a long time 
since the two of us and now Mr. Baby had gone on a trip together that we almost didn't remember what our travel styles were. And so by the end of the first couple of days, we were both a little bit grumpy, just thinking like, why are we not having as good of a time as I know we could? And once we realized, oh, it's because we're not, we're not doing the travel style that we enjoy together, then we were able to shift our plans and say, okay, so we're going to cancel these like long drives we have planned, these tours that we want to go, that we want to go on. And instead, we're going to just hang out around this neighborhood. And we ended up having an amazing time. So if you are like struggling with the travel, with traveling with someone you love and you want to have a good time, but it's just like not really working, consider having a discussion about how to make that better. Because it may be that one of you is having a a great time because you enjoy the sort of vacation you're on while the other person is totally not into that kind of vacation and is feeling like it's a waste of time. So have a discussion and then maybe you'll be able to figure out how to make the most of your trip. So that was just, I didn't mean to give a piece of advice. It was usually I'm like just kind of catching up and telling you things, but I felt like that was relevant. So now let's get into the main portion of today's episode, which is why I encourage women to be classic. So often, as I mentioned earlier, people think when I'm talking about being classic that I'm coming from a place of judgment, that I judge people who aren't classic, that I sit over here and go like, you're dumb for not doing what I'm doing. That's wrong. The truth is when I'm talking about being classic, It comes from a place of wanting people to be happy. I know that that's almost hard to to picture, but really when I'm talking about being classic, it's because I know that being classic and maintaining traditional values leads people to live happier lives and be, have more meaning, have more purpose. The truth is that women have gotten more anxious and more depressed since they have lost their meaning and purpose. I feel really passionately about this. I read this article and I'm going to, I know what I'm going to do if I, oh gosh, I forgot to mention my hard drive with all of my work on it has been uh, broken by Mr. Baby pulling it down from where it sits. So I have to try and get all of my information off of it. But on that hard drive is an article that I am really passionate about because I've, it's written by a colonel. It was written in like the fifties or sixties and I think it was written in the 60s because it was post sort of like the it was the beginning of, of feminist ideology starting to pervade women's ideology. And the interesting thing about that article is that it really talks about how women have been divorced from their meaning and purpose as wives and mothers. And because of that, they're more anxious and more depressed because they don't have the clear picture of what they are for. So as we've told women that motherhood and being a wife is just kind of like a choice, something that you don't have to do that some people want to do, but it's just like something that's been forced on you by the patriarchy. And really your meaning comes from everything else. Women have actually gotten more anxious and more depressed because they're making bad choices that are leading them away from the choices that would give them meaning and purpose and fulfillment. The truth about it is that as women have, here's the real thing, right? 
there's a very small percentage of women, 1%, 2%, that don't actually want children, that don't want to have children, that don't want to get married, that are happier doing something else. But the narrative is that half of women want that. That like you, it could be a 50-50 shot with you. That perhaps you will want those things, perhaps you won't. That is the biggest lie that feminism has told women. That it's like, maybe you'll want those things. Totally incorrect. 99% of women want those things. And when we give women this picture of like, oh, well, you'll see, it really leads women down a path of making poor choices, making bad decisions that make those huge, important life goals of being a wife and being a mother more difficult to come by. As you are putting all of your energy into a career that may preclude you meeting the right guy or may preclude you having children, you are really ending up making choices that are pushing you away from the things that you need to do to feel good about yourself. And not only good about yourself, but have purpose in your life. I'm not saying that careers can't be fulfilling, but they are not going to bring you ultimate fulfillment, right? I love my job. I love what I do. It brings me meaning and purpose, and I really, really like it. But if I had to choose between this job and being a mother or being a wife, this job wouldn't even come close. And the problem is, is that we've positioned it like, oh, they're equal. If you are super successful in your career, you may, you you may not need to be a mother and a wife. And it's just incorrect. One of the things I've been thinking about is when we make being a mother and a wife a burden, rather than a gift, then women had to find their meaning in other places, right? And when I say that being a mother and a wife is a burden, that is not an exaggeration. We're talking about Betty Friedan. We're talking about The Feminine Mystique. That's the book that she wrote. And in in this ideology, feminists told women that men get to go to work. They get to leave the house where you have to stay chained back at home, raising the children, Instead of saying, men don't get to work, men have to work, right? The picture that we have in 2023 and when the show came out, uh, I don't remember the exact year, but I'm thinking of Mad Men, right? Mad Men is the exact picture of like what feminists think was wrong with the 1950s, right? Men get to go to work. They get to party. They get to sleep with their secretaries and the women are home alone, depressed, raising the kids. That is false. That is not real. (laughs) Men have to work to support their families. Now, does that mean that that all men hate their jobs? No. But if men had the opportunity to stay home with their kids and their wives, I think a lot of them would love to do that. I mean, look at kind of how things have played out since COVID. We have many, many people choosing to work remotely because they'd rather be at home. And men have to work, not get to work. 
men and women have to get to women get to take care of the children and take care of their homes. And some of them get to do some work as well. And all of this is a grass is always greener thing of like, I'm sure some men look at their wives and think, oh, I wish that I got to stay at home and take care of the kids all day. And some women look at their husbands and think, oh, I wish I got to go to work. But the truth is that we have different roles. Now, those roles can change in specific situations, but generally women would like to be at home with the kids, even if we're told that like it's a prison. As Betty Friedan wrote, women who adjust as housewives who grow up wanting to be just a housewife are in, are in as much danger as the millions who walked to their own death in the concentration camps. They are suffering a slow death of mind and spirit. Yeah. I mean, this is where so much of this feminist ideology started. So all of these feminists who say, no, stay at, uh, it's all about what women want to do. If a woman wants to stay at home then she can. If a woman wants to go to work, then she can. They don't really think that. They don't really think that. They think that we live in a patriarchy, that women are constantly victims and men are constantly oppressors. And there's no way to break out of that. And if women had the opportunity to go to work, they they would. But women have to be with their kids. No. Women get to be with their kids. I think the reason I'm talking about all this is because as we encourage women away from those choices that will bring them joy and happiness and goodness to their lives, we're also leading them away from making the choices that would bring them ultimate, you know, happiness and and joy. I think being classic is important. And the reason I tell women to be classic, because I want to see them be happy. Okay. So now I think we have a question here of how do women find meaning and fulfillment before they have children and get married? This was something I struggled with. As I was talking about, you know, the two things that I always talk about for women is is being a wife and being a mother. Now, again, I don't think that you can't work. I just think you have to have your priorities in line. And I think you have to understand what comes first. I think that one of the things that gets me is women who talk about going to work rather than being at home with their kids if they had the option. There are women who have to work because they need to help support their families. And then there are the women who want to work. And so they hand off their kids to someone else that I'm not, I'm not as much a fan of. I think that women, if they have the choice to be at home and can be at home, they should be, they should be at home with their, with their kids. Now, if their kids are in school, then great. Use that time and and work. But if your kids are at home, then what are you doing by choosing to do something rather than raise your children, the ultimate, uh, the thing that's of ultimate importance. But women who are not yet married and who don't have children yet, they still have value. I did a whole video on my YouTube channel about this. 
they're still really important. So what do they do well before that happens? How do they find meaning and fulfillment? Through constant bettering and improvement of themselves. And by spending time with friends at that same era of life. By moving toward a goal, but also appreciating where they're at. I think we often, if you, if you tell people that they need to be working towards something, they have to like in their heads, hate the place that they're at. And that's just wrong. You can say, I'm happy where I'm at. And also I'm going to make choices that will eventually lead me to where I want to go. So there's very much meaning and fulfillment and and joy to be had before you have children and before you get married, but you have to make the choices that will lead you in the best direction. And that's why I tell women to, to be classic, because if they don't line up things in the right way to bring them towards those, those things that they're aiming for, then they're going to end up not getting the things that they truly need and want. One of the things I don't like about this ideology, this feminist ideology, is that as soon as women are put in the position of having to choose between motherhood and work, they feel guilty when they realize that motherhood is more important to them than keeping up with the feminist narrative. There's a reason that women make less than men, and it's not because there's a wage gap. It's because women choose to do different jobs or or not work. Women choose to be at home with their kids. But then, and I've talked to so many friends like this and I struggled with it, there's a feeling of guilt that you're not being a girl boss and instead you're just you're just being a mom. That's a really poisonous worldview and outlook that we've put on women. So, At the end of the day, being classic brings contentment because you love what you were made for and you make choices in line with your purpose. And that's a beautiful thing. So that's why I encourage women to be classic. That's why I encourage women to embrace their femininity and why I encourage people to engage with traditional values and have traditional values because traditional values are built around how people work, how people are built. (laughs) they're built around how people are built. But what I mean is traditional values are, are traditional for a reason in the sense that they've lasted so long because they work because people were meant to be that way. So with that all in mind, let's move into our faith talk for today. So our faith talk for today is going to be around the Torah portion which is called in English, he lived. In Hebrew, it's Parshat Vayechi. Uh, this is the last Parsha of Bereshit, of Genesis. And I personally love Genesis. I love our forefathers. I love Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I love our foremothers. I love all of the stories because the characters and the people in the Bible are just so real. Nobody's perfect. They are all real human beings who make real mistakes, who deal with real tragedies and real struggles, just like we do. And 
they're there for us to learn lessons. They're not supposed to be people that we look up to and say like, well, they were perfect and I'll never reach that. We're supposed to look up to our, to our ancestors, to the people who created our faith, who, who were there at the beginning and, and everything to see how we can learn from them and grow. So in this Parsha, in this Torah portion, uh, Jacob is dying and he calls Joseph to him and he has him bring Manasseh and Ephraim, Ephraim, Manasseh and Ephraim in Hebrew. Uh, and he gives them a blessing. But if you remember, he crosses his hands or at least puts his right hand on the younger sibling and his left hand on the older sibling. So he gives the firstborn blessing to the younger sibling, which is a repeat of what happened with him, where Isaac put gave the younger brother, Jacob, the firstborn blessing. And after that happens, um, he kind of gives his the 12 tribes their, their stories of like what's going to happen to them and, and what their what they hold, what their futures hold. Um, so following that, Jacob dies. He's brought to Israel to be buried and to Canaan at the time. And the uh, brothers come to Joseph and they say, please forgive us for what we did. Please don't hold it against us. If you remember, the brothers sold Joseph basically into slavery and then he ended up rising the ranks in Egypt and Joseph says, of course, I'll forgive you. And then Joseph himself dies. Uh, and that's the end of the first book of the Torah. What's so interesting about the Torah and Genesis is the sibling, the sibling rivalries, the marriages, the relationships with the children and between them. We see so much family strife, right? We've got Esau and and Isaac. We've got Jacob and um, and then his story with Rachel and Leah, right? That's the, the marriages that he has to deal with. And then Bilhah and Zilpah as well. They're, they're handmaids. We have, you know, Ishmael and Isaac. We, we have, or rather it's Asa and Jacob, excuse me, from before. But what's so interesting about it is that so much of the story of the Torah shows family strife and that it's simply built into the structure of the world. The way that these families, even from the very beginning, are built, are built to have these, these family struggles. Siblings are, are not getting along. Younger children get firstborn rights. Uh, marriages are not going smoothly and uncle relationships don't work out well either. There's quite a bit of struggle that's built into and baked into the Torah. And as people who are traditional and who look to marriage as such an important part of our lives, we might think when things are stressful between spouses or when things are stressful within families, you know, parent to, to child, that we're doing something wrong or that we're failing or that this isn't a godly 
a godly way of approaching our, our families. But if you look to the Torah, you'll see that that's not the case. If you're struggling with that, it doesn't make you a worse Christian or a worse Jew. It just means you are going through the same things our forefathers did. And you also have to navigate it. And luckily you have a blueprint for kind of how to do it or what not to do. The people in the Torah are just that. They're just people. They aren't any more than we are or any less. Now, of course, in some ways they are more, but they're also just humans. And yet we learn from them and look up to them because they did amazing things despite also going through trials and tribulations and making mistakes. It's important for us to know that God understands your familial struggles because he created the world in this way from the very beginning. Families are not supposed to be perfect. We can strive for goodness. We can strive for perfection, and I put that in quotes. But even from the very beginning, that wasn't the, that wasn't the way things were built. People don't always get along. People don't always make the choices we would hope they would. And that is part of being alive, is navigating these relationships that are so absolutely important. But it doesn't make it worse. It doesn't make you a bad person to have those struggles in your life. It just makes you part of the way that God created the world. (laughs) So you're not alone. And I don't even mean from the sense of you're not alone because there are other people you know who are going through it. I mean it in the sense of you are not alone because God built this in, like he baked it into our world. He baked it into the way things work. So it's up to us to work through that, but it's also up to us to understand that it's okay when we're going through it. That is it for our faith talk. But let's hop into our last segment for today, which is our subscriber questions. So let's start with this question. How do you feel about stay-at-home husbands if the woman's job allows them to be more than financially stable? I would say that when it comes to kind of who goes to work and who stays home, You always have to understand that the most important question is how is the family going to be provided for? If that means that the mother is the one working and the father is the one at home, that's okay. That's how I grew up. My dad was a stay-at-home dad and my mom worked. And that was how our family needed to be structured. But if that doesn't have to be the case, if there's a situation in which the husband could make enough for the family to survive and, you know, do well, and the mom could stay at home, then that, in my opinion, is the ideal situation. I think it's generally better to have the mom at home for everybody's sake, in the sense that women like to be at home with their kids. They enjoy their children. And fathers, I think a lot of men need to feel like they're providing for their families. And the children benefit from having a mom who's home. So if you can make that work, 
I generally try to advise people towards that direction. But if that's just simply not going to happen and that's not the case, then you have to do what's going to provide for your family. So if the woman's job allows the family to be more financially stable, then maybe she needs to work and the husband can stay home. But I would say in any other case, having the mom at home is a better situation if it can be managed. Next question is, as a new mom to two and a working mom, I'm struggling with what I thought this journey would look like and what it is. I am loving my babies and I'm struggling with the fact that I have to work. I work two days out of the home and one day from home. I am luckier than so many people. I currently have a nanny for two days. I still feel so torn. I feel like I'm never fully present as a mom because there is always work to do. I'm a professor. Work never stops. And at work, I feel bad I'm not with my babies. Logically, I know that good children have been raised and raised well in all kinds of families. But still, I feel like I'm not being the best mom by not staying home. I believe in traditional values. I want to homeschool one day. My husband works overtime all the time to make me stay at home one day. And still, I feel guilty. It doesn't make sense. How do you manage the expectations you had of motherhood to the realities? That's a great question. Um, and I, I want to say I get it very much so. <laughs> because I, I think that for me, I'm constantly trying to balance, you know, motherhood, wifehood, content creation, community involvement, like all of the different things that I do. I'm just, it's, it's the work-life balance is, is real. Even if your work is homemaking, it's real. Just trying to get everything done with a toddler that's running around is very, very hard. But I think one of the things, first of all, you're doing absolutely everything you can to be at home with your kids. So I would not feel guilty at all if I were you. Like, you are doing everything right. Your husband working as hard as he is, I mean, what what a blessing, truly. The fact that you're able to be at home with your kids as much as you are, a really, really wonderful thing. And you're not doing anything wrong by trying to make it a situation where you get to be home with your kids. And you're not a bad mom for not staying home when you can't. I mean, there's so many amazing moms out there that have to work. I mean, that's the most important thing is getting food on the table, making sure there's shelter, making sure there's those things that you all really need to survive. So one of the things that I've found is that is helpful (laughs) is that I always feel like I need to be really like directed with my son, that if I'm not paying full attention to him and like Montessori style being with him and and working on his development and making sure he's like learning to be independent with my involvement that I'm like not being as good of a mom as I should. And the thing that I always remember is for generations, (laughs) for thousands of years, women had the children at home and the children were not getting directed attention. They were just there while the mom was trying to get everything done. And the way that they learned was by watching (laughs) or participating. And so it's not about us as moms always needing to to put our entire focus on our kids. 
it's about us as moms having the kids learn by being a part of the daily routine, by being part of the daily actions and, and all of that. If you're putting your kid in front of a TV so you can get things done, maybe not the best move. But if you are having your child just kind of be around while you do things, I think that's great. Like that is the most positive thing is having your baby help you while you do things. And yes, it might slow things down, but that's not the the big thing. The big thing is that the baby's with you and learning. You don't have to feel bad for not being the stay-at-home mom you wished you could have been. And as far as managing your expectations of motherhood, motherhood is really about doing your best to raise this little person and bring them to the best person that they can be. And what that looks like is a little different for everybody. You know, for me, like I mentioned, it's about having my son watch what I'm doing and participate. But for you, that will look different because what you do each day may look different than what I do each day. If you are being an involved mom and you are putting your children first and you're prioritizing, I think that you're doing everything right. And managing those expectations really comes down to like I mentioned, knowing how motherhood was dealt with for thousands of years before it became like this really intensive project where people either outsource the project of motherhood to somebody else so that they can go out and work and do their own thing or where you as mom have to be like in it all day, completely focused on your child. Being a mom is about being there for your baby, but in the sense that they're learning along with you, alongside you. That's my, my answer for that question. And that is today's episode of the Classically Abby podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Let me know your thoughts uh, in the comments on YouTube or head over to my Substack where you'll be able to comment on my post. I'm so glad you're here and make sure to subscribe to my Substack newsletter so that you can submit questions for future podcast episodes to my YouTube and to this podcast, wherever you listen. Thank you guys so much for being a part of today's episode and we'll chat in the next one. Bye.